Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. Hey, my name's Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That's a freak with two E's. It's a long explanation. Anyway, I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Uh, Today, here's what we have in store. I'm actually going to give you uh, 10 players that I'm actually thinking it's time to buy low on these guys. Players that we feel like are um, underrated for right now because of some of the off-season things that have happened, that their value has dropped. Yet I actually believe in them and think that it's time to try to pick them up where you can. So we'll talk about that. Before that, I hope that just you're tell you that I hope that you're having a great uh, week. If you're still doing some rookie drafts or you're having a blast, um, I know for myself, I actually joined for the very first time my very first uh, FFPC. If you listen to other podcasts, maybe you've heard the FFPC commercials on their podcast, but it's a, a league where you can actually play for some pretty big money. I jumped in at the, the lowest value of $77 value for a dynasty league. It's going to be really challenging. It's a very different league than I'm used to because it only uh, you only keep 16 players at the end of the year, where I'm used to keeping at least 30 players. So it'll be a different kind of a dynasty league with a little bit different scoring with PPR and tight end premium, 1.5 uh, PPR for the tight ends. And I'm just like six rounds now into the draft. So I'm hoping that that draft will be wrapped up next week and next week's podcast can be just kind of me reporting what I did in the in the very competitive with lots of you know money at stake FFPC drafts with people. I also have another rookie draft next week in my keeper league. I love my keeper league on CBS with my buddy Dave Moogie, who's the uh, uh, commish for that league. It's been a blast um, in that league too. So still have a lot of rookie drafts coming up, and have uh, a live draft startup draft going in the FFPC. Man, it's a really fun time of year. Hope that you guys are having fun with it too. And so let's talk about some moves that you can make this offseason maybe while some people in your league are sleeping, all right? So there are many things that take place in the offseason that affect uh, players' dynasty value, right? There's obviously free agency, the draft, there's coaching changes, injuries, people recovering from injuries, and much more than that. And so the guys that I'm going to list here today, they all saw their value drop over the offseason. Uh, for many of the above reasons that I mentioned. Um, however, um, they did not drop far enough to make me feel like I did not want to try uh, to get them or to make me want to trade them away. Rather, maybe want to try to get them. And I feel like these guys, the 10 guys I'm going to list here today, are great buys. And I'll give you some reasons why. I list them in alphabetical order, so there's not like any particular order to the way that I list them except by alphabet. So don't think these are in the order of priority. But let's talk about 10 guys that I feel like actually are, their value is so low right now, but I'm still intrigued, interested, and feel like they are above, should be ranked above where their value is right now. So first we'll start with Antonio Callaway, wide receiver from Cleveland. So Callaway's stock has, uh, was rising at the end of the season. It seemed like he was like clearly establishing himself as a wide receiver too in Cleveland, and the Cleveland offense was also looking up. Like everyone was kind of having a lot of hope in, May- in Baker Mayfield and just felt like, man, this is a, a on-the-rise offense. But when the season ended, uh, we were unsure what their coaching situation would be, right? 
if everything was going to change, but they actually ended up hiring Freddie Kitchens, who was serving as kind of the interim uh, offensive coordinator. They signed him as their head coach. And so this was huge because the thought of no major offensive changes and the idea of not having to, you know, another coach come in and then when coaches come in, they reevaluate the whole everything, you know. So you didn't feel like there was going to be a coach that was going to come in and have to reevaluate the wide receiver position in Cleveland. And so all of that was starting to make his value rise. But then came the OBJ trade. So when Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. landed in Cleveland, it was like instant drop in Callaway's values. <laughs> he was looking like the number two there in Cleveland, and instantly he became the number three behind OBJ and Landry. All of the, the targets that we imagined him receiving kind of dropped from his value, right? So his value rightfully dropped. I would say rightfully, just because, like, yeah, you can't not drop when OBJ lands on your team. But I still believe that there are plenty of targets in Cleveland and even if he's the wide receiver three, he actually has some great value. And so Antonio Callaway is actually someone that I'm considering trying to buy right now. I think so because of a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, OBJ is often injured. Like, he gets hurt a lot. And so when he gets hurt, Callaway's going to step in and become the number two. Even if uh, OBJ or Landry were to get injured, he'd be the number two. Besides that, I still believe in the coach and Kitchens and the and general manager, manager Dorsey, like they want to see if they get value from taking a chance on who they drafted here. So if you remember, Callaway had a little bit of trouble in college, some legal troubles and things like that. And I just believe that because they drafted him where they did when maybe no one else was willing to draft him, that Dorsey wants to make this prove to be right. And uh, also the fact that Kitchens is still there, which he already saw the value that he placed on Callaway the way he played him at the end of the year, makes me think that Callaway still has a solid, solid spot on this roster. I imagine he'll be the number one, number three wide receiver. He's the fastest guy and could be the kind of deep ball type of guy that causes threats to the defenses. And so if people have soured on Callaway because of OBJ landing there as the main reason, I would say go try to get him. Second guy I'll mention is Carlos Hyde, running back out of Kansas City. Now, Hyde's stock has kind of gone up and down uh, quite a bit. Um, his, his stock dipped quite a bit uh, during the season due to losing the job to the, uh, the running back job in Cleveland to Nick Chubb. Um, you guys know if you've been listening to my podcast or reading my articles, like I'm super high on Nick Chubb. So it uh, made sense to me that he was going to lose that job for sure. Uh, but then he ended up getting trading to Jacksonville in the middle of the year last year. So the Nick Chubb part is obvious because he's a better player. But there were also reports about his character issues that ultimately led him to be traded. Like he should have just been kind of the number two running back there in Cleveland and that would have all been fine. But there were reports that there was some, some kind of character type of things that were going on that made them lead to trading him to Jacksonville. And then even in Jacksonville, the same thing happened where there was the same character type of issues that were happening in Jacksonville, which led them to let him leave in free agency. So in addition to that, many uh, analysts rightly pointed out, like if you pull up uh, Hyde's um, career statistics, you'll see that his yards per carry are just dropping year to year to year. So all of that combined to make his value at what I think would be like an all-time low. But then he got like a small bump up when he landed with Kansas City in their high-powered offense. So when Andy Reid in Kansas City picked him up in free agency, his stock rose just a little bit. So... All-time low would have been to try to buy him 
when, before that happened. But after that, it bumped up just a little bit. I think Kansas City admitted that they're aware of their need by getting him. But then uh, Hyde's value dropped a little bit more because aware of their need for running back, they drafted Darwin Thompson and signed James, James Williams to an undrafted free agent contract. And so both of these rookies are very highly thought of and they have amazing upside. They really do. So while Hyde's you know, stock is very low right now, I'd still be willing to draft him. And you won't have to give up a lot to do so. I believe that Hyde can excel in his second year, and I think he can or second or his, I think he can excel this year um, as the running back two behind Damian Williams. So here's some of my reasons why. First of all, Andy, Andy Reid has always produced top 12 running backs for fantasy. Like, look it up. It's crazy. Andy Reid, no matter what, his offense has always produced incredible running backs. I also believe that Williams this year, um, man, it, it's really risky thinking that Damian Williams can be the number one running back. I love him, and I've got him in a lot of leagues because I, because I love him. But the fact is that he's never had more than 50 carries in a season. Isn't that crazy? 50 carries in a season. So he's very speculative, speculative right now, whereas uh, Hyde has much more than that, a much lengthier career than Damian Williams. In fact, Hyde's best year of his career was just two years ago in San Francisco when he was actually used more as a passing pass-catching back. And that year he caught his uh, career high in 59 passes in 2017. So 59 passes, that's an, a great receiving uh, stat line for a running back. And this is what the thing, the, the reason that his value dropped. Cleveland and Jacksonville did not know how to use him that way. They did not know how to use him as a receiving back. But I guarantee you that Kansas City knows how to do it. So I'm not threatened by Darwin Thompson, not threatened by James Williams, even though I actually really like those guys too, particularly since Kansas City drafted them. But still, I think Hyde is someone to buy right now. Third guy to buy, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, third guy to buy right now is Devontae Parker, wide receiver for Miami. I cannot believe I'm being lured back into this. <laughs> so I remember a couple years ago I traded my 1.2 rookie draft pick for Parker. Um, it was after his first uh, rough year, his, his first year in the league, his very rough year, and I just I loved him so much. He was my number two player the year prior in the rookie draft. So I just thought if someone's going to try to offer me 1.2 for him right now, I'll just do it, and I'll believe in the way that I valued him before. But, of course, since then he's just been a huge bust. He was drafted in the top half of rookie drafts a year ago. Like I said, I already had him as my number two that year. Um, I sold him in the one league that I have him. I even cut him in another league where I picked him up because I thought his value was so low. So his value has been really tanking. So, but this year, I, I'm, I'm back in, and I hope uh, to buy him. And I even may have a trade offer. Right, I actually have a trade offer right now out in one of my leagues to try to get him. Here's the reasons why. Uh, the coaching and QB changes in Miami are my primary reasons for why. Adam Gaze, his former uh, coach in Miami, is notorious, like notorious, for finding guys that he hates and just not giving them the opportunity, even if they have the talent. Like he regularly will put guys that are super talented on the bench and not play them just because he's Adam Gaze and he thinks he knows better than everybody, right? Well, Gaze is finally gone, and I, I really believe that Parker has a chance to prove himself to his new coach and Brian Flores, who came over from New England. Uh, Miami's uh, former quarterback, uh, Ryan Tannehill, and you could say like all of his backups since he was injured so much, didn't help Parker either. So now I feel like now that they've got a new coach in town that's going to evaluate the whole wide receiver core differently, and you've got Fitzmagic, 
Uh, he's an automatic upgrade at quarterback. And then Rosen, um, who I really valued uh, high a year ago when he was in the rookie drafts, competing there for the first time uh, for the first uh, quarterback one job. Man, the past is the past. Here's to the future. I'm saying buy in on Devontae. We move now to the other guy that I would say, and that's uh, to buy low is uh, Deontay Foreman, running back for Houston. So Foreman's value was crazy. Like just two years ago, his value was rising fast at the end of his rookie year when he appeared to move into the, the running back number one spot in Houston. Ironically, if you remember this, the peak of his value, the very, very peak of his value and the exact uh, valley of his value were the same exact play. If you remember this, Foreman had like an explosive long touchdown run. And on that play, as he stretched toward the end zone and scored the touchdown, he actually tore his Achilles. Man, so his value has stayed way down uh, because no other running back has ever come back from an Achilles injury and become a startable uh, fantasy running back. And so last year he was not able to get onto the field until the very last game, of the second to last game of the year. It just did not look good for him. So his value may have risen a bit when Houston didn't draft a running back, you know, this last draft. But then again, his value dropped a bit because they brought in two undrafted free agents and Demaria Crockett and Karan Higdon, both very capable backs that most people thought would be drafted but weren't drafted. So Houston recognized their need and brought in two undrafted free agents to compete at the running back position. So I'm still high on Foreman. Uh, I'm no doctor, obviously, <laughs> but I believe that he has adequate time to heal. He's had adequate time to heal. He rested the entire year last year. And I think that he's going to get a fair shot to win the number one job. They may have these two undrafted free agents. They have Lamar Miller, uh, obviously, as a starting running back there. But I think that he has a chance to beat them all out. And so I would go try to buy him. Cheers to my fellow Longhorn, uh, Deontay Foreman. Next guy that I'll mention here is John Ross, wide receiver at Cincinnati. Um, Every time I mention John Ross, I feel like I have to be for transparency's sake, honest about one of my worst trades that I've made. <laughs> Back a couple years ago, I traded Tyreek Hill when he was just starting to shine at the end of his rookie year. I traded him for a first-round draft pick the next year, which for me, that turned into John Ross. Ouch, right? <laughs> so maybe it hurts less if he'll get suspended this year. Maybe, maybe that's going to happen. I won't feel so bad about it, but that was one of my worst trades. Still, my, my thought was that... Uh, in drafting Tyreek, I thought that John uh, Ross was like Tyreek 2.0, right? In the sense that he literally is probably the only guy that could beat Tyreek in a race. Like, he had the fastest 40 time at the Combine in history. So I felt like, man, here I'm going fast guy for fast guy. This is all right. But the fact is that he was just a complete dud in year one, struggling with a lot of injuries. And then last year was just a ridiculous year for him. It just made no sense because he caught seven touchdowns which actually tied him for 16th in touchdown catches for the year. This is insane. 16th in the year for touchdown catches. But his seven touchdowns won 21 catches. <laughs> so he scored a touchdown every third time that he caught the ball. Man, if only he had that efficiency on 75 catches next year, we would be sold, right? That would be incredible. <laughs> give, him, give him 25 touchdowns on 75 catches. So we know that's not going to happen. But here's, what I, here's why I believe that John Ross is still someone to buy. Um, he'll never do that again <laughs> as far as uh, 
the efficiency, but I do believe that he can change. Uh, and because the coaching staff will give him the opportunity. So Zach Taylor is one of Sean McVay's disciples. He just came in there to be the head coach in Cincinnati. We don't know a whole lot about him because he's so young. But we know that he studied under McVay, was part of his kind of coaching tree, as they call it. And we also know that this is John Ross's third year, which for receivers is often their breakout year, even on the same team, as we realized with Tyler Boyd last year. Zach Taylor is one of the Sean McVay, McVay disciples, and some may speculate. They actually speculate. A lot of people I've heard are speculating that that they'll run a lot of three wide receiver sets, and John Ross will be basically the Brandon Cooks role of their offense, as Brandon Cooks was to the L.A. Rams. So would John Ross be to Cincinnati if they run these three wide receiver sets? That, of course, remains to be seen. Um, but I do believe in Ross and still believe in his talent, and I'm hopeful for him. Uh, Taylor doesn't have much coaching experience for us to really definitively speculate on what he's going to do, but I can say for certain that it's going to be a more pass-happy offense than they ever had in Cincinnati under Marvin Lewis. And add to that the fact that A.J. Green is getting older and and has become more and more injured, like year to year to year he's injured, and he's in a contract year. And so I believe that Ross is very worth uh, trying to buy right now while his value is low. Uh, he was a first-round pick by the Bengals <laughs> overall, you have to remember that, after all. And he was a first-round draft pick in a rookie draft, so don't give up on him yet. Next, we'll move to Josh Doxson, for a wide receiver for Washington. Speaking of first-round draft picks, right? Josh Doxson was drafted three years ago by the Redskins in the first round, and he was a first-round draft pick in all of our rookie drafts that we had. So his value was never as high as it was in that rookie draft. Like he, That was it. That was the peak. When he was drafted in the rookie draft, That was it, and he's never been able to prove himself, so his value has continued to drop. He had an uh, injury-plagued first year, showed a lot of promise in his second year when he caught six touchdowns. It was just on 35 catches, so he almost had the same kind of career uh, crazy efficiency as John Ross had last year, six touchdown passes on 35 catches, so basically a touchdown catch every six catches. But last year, his kind of third-year breakout year that we were all hoping for, he only had 44 catches and two touchdowns. So his value has dropped. His value is probably the lowest that it's ever been, Um, especially it dropped when when Washington drafted two wide receivers in this year's draft in Terry McLaurin and Kelvin Harmon, Um, and that after drafting Trey Quinn last year, the year before. So here we've got three uh, first- or second-year receivers competing for him. So why am, I, why am I still believing that he's someone we should believe in? That's because all three of these guys um, were drafted behind him. Like, like Doxon was a first-round draft pick compared to these other guys, and McLaurin and Harmon and Trey Quinn, who was actually Mr. Insignificant. Now, knowing the fourth year, of his year, fourth year of his career, it's very possible to say, well, that doesn't matter. They're going to they're gonna put more value in their current rookie picks. That's very possible. But I think that with the way that Washington let Crowder go in free agency, the only other veteran that he's competing for is Paul Richardson um, in Washington. And rookie wide receivers have a really hard time adjusting in year one. We've seen that time and time again. And I believe even though Quinn is in year two, he's really relegated to the slot role. And so Doxon has a chance really just to compete against a couple rookies and Paul Richardson to keep the job or win the job. And so in addition to that... I believe that he um, has a new quarterback, whether it's going to be Case Keenum or the rookie Haskins. His new situation of quarterback will give him a chance to to form some sort of connection 
with one of those two quarterbacks. And so don't give up on Doxon. Um, he's a guy that I'm holding, and I've even bought some last year and I'm still hold, holding this year. Next guy that I would say uh, to hold on to is Justin Jackson, running back for, for uh, I put San Diego in my notes here. Old habits die, right? <laughs> so Los Angeles Chargers, that would be. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm also honestly pretty bitter about Justin Jackson. Like last year, he went undrafted in all of my dynasty drafts. No one drafted him in all of my dynasty drafts. So I picked him up in free agency right after the drafts because I was way higher on him than most anyone else. And I couldn't believe that, that he was undrafted to start with, undrafted in the actual NFL draft. And, and then I hated that he signed an undrafted free agent contract with the Chargers because that meant that he was automatically behind Melvin Gordon, who's definitely better than he is. And so his value dropped a lot. That's why he wasn't drafted in our rookie drafts. But still, I loved his talent and wanted to get him. So last year, I, I grabbed him in a lot of my free agency moves after the draft. But here's the thing. As the season progressed, he was just moved to the practice squad. It seemed like he really wasn't going to get an opportunity there, and I dropped him in almost all my leagues. And then, of course, what happens is Gordon gets injured. Jackson comes in, has some opportunities, makes the most of them. And just does great. And I was only able to get him off the waiver wire in one of my leagues. So mad about that. Only in one of my leagues. So I still believe that his value is low because Melvin Gordon is incredible. Like, he's great. There's no arguing that. And I think his value is lower because people perceive that Austin Eckler is the number two running back behind Gordon. And so people view Jackson as like the third running back uh, among the L.A. Chargers. I, however, don't believe that to be true. I believe that Eckler has solidified his, uh, himself to be the change of pace back role, like he's going to be the change of pace back. At the end of the year when Gordon was hurt, Jackson really was the starting running back, and Eckler kept his same role as a change of pace back, and I believe that's going to continue. So Jackson, uh, loved him in college. He had an incredibly productive, durable career at Northwestern University, and I believe that he can carry the load if he's given the opportunity in Los Angeles. He's the exact kind of player that I have sitting on my bench just waiting until the often injured Gordon gets hurt. So if you can in your leagues, go try to make a play on Justin Jackson. Next one, and this one's actually a little bit higher ranked than most of the people, so it's a little bit different, but I still want to comment on him. I have Kenyon Drake, the running back for Miami. Uh, I remember drafting Drake in a rookie draft three years ago. He didn't produce in year one. Or at the start of year two, so I dropped him. Like, I just dropped him. I only had him one league, but I dropped him. And at the tail end of his second year, he did fantastic. Like, he averaged 15 points per game the last six games of his, what we call his sophomore year. His stock rose quite a bit afterward. But last season, kind of left everyone guessing. It was really crazy. He was drafted a lot higher than everyone would have thought uh, last year because he did so well after his his, uh, sophomore year, we'll call it. But not last year, he never had the consistency of being that he had, you know, during those last, last uh, six games of 2017. He did have some great games, of course, but he also had some real duds. All in all, his stock dropped quite a bit from the end of the 2017 season to the end of 2018. So the hopes that we had going into 2018 were never really fulfilled, and his stock has continued to drop. But maybe not as much as the other guys that I've mentioned. Um, as I mentioned before, his coach... At that time was Adam Gase. He's not the most fantasy-friendly coach. He picks and chooses who will play for who knows what reasons. Adam Gase is a jerk to our fantasy teams. Um, well, 
Now Gaze is gone, and so is Frank Gore in Miami. Miami did draft a running back, but it was only Miles Gaskins that they drafted in the seventh round, so the last round of the draft. They didn't really feel like they had a need to bring someone in early. So Drake has a new coaching staff and uh, Flores. He's competing only with the rookie, Gaskin, and a second-year player, the rookie they drafted last year in Kalen Balazs. So here he is, a more established guy, going against a rookie and a second-year guy. I think he has every chance to win the approval of his new coaching staff and win the job this year. He'll be a lot harder to buy than the rest of the guys that I've mentioned in this list because I think there's still a lot more hopes on him. But check it out. See if maybe you don't value him like I do more than others do in their leagues that are frustrated with the way that he played last year. We'll go into our last two here. Uh, last, second to last one, we'll go with Marquise Lee, wide receiver from Jacksonville. Marquise was the highly drafted in 2014 rookie draft, but he, he just really never lived up to the value. He ended the 2017 season. It just felt like he started to look like he could become Blake Bortles' number one wide receiver at the end of that 2017 season. His value rose just a bit, but then it wrecked last year when he had his knee injury. Just before the season started, had his knee injury at the end of the season last year. Um, what I did is I picked him up in a lot of my draft, a lot of my leagues because he'd been dropped. Like after that knee injury, he was either put on IR and people got impatient, or they had more guys on IR, and so let him go. Or in leagues where there was no IR, they just let him go flat up. So one of the things that I like to do at the end of the season. Uh, as it gets near the end of the season, is kind of scour the guys that were put on IR and figure out which ones I want to pick up, hoping that maybe they'll they'll get back to their great gameplay that they had before. And so Lee was one that I picked up in several leagues. The truth be told, I really like Westbrook. I really like uh, D.D. Westbrook and believe that he's going to be the best wide receiver in Jacksonville. But Lee still has a little competition, in my opinion, for the number two job, even after his injury. They did bring in some guys to compete. They brought in uh, Chark a year ago as a rookie. They uh, got Conley as a free agent this year, and now we learned just this last week they picked up Terrell Pryor. So they, they, they see that they have need at receiver. Keelan Cole was kind of the guy that we all hoped for last year, but he never really proves anything. So my thought is that Lee, uh, given that he can get healthy, can beat out all these guys. I don't really have much confidence in Chark, Conley, or Pryor or at this point, even Keelan Cole, though I did a year ago. Lee should be the best buy to have the number two wide receiver spot in Jacksonville, provided he gets healthy. So he's someone that's, if not, he might actually even be on your waiver wire. You can go pick him up. Last guy that I'll mention, and perhaps this is the one, if I was to list them in order, he's the one I'm most excited about, would be Royce Freeman, running back in Denver. So Freeman was a first-round rookie draft pick after being drafted in the third round by the Broncos uh, two years ago. Um, all Freeman owners, myself included, were stunned to see that the little tiny undrafted free agent, Philip Lindsay, won the starting job and had an incredible rookie year that made Freeman just look like a dud. So Freeman's value plummeted pretty ridiculously. I think over the last month or so, his value has probably risen a little bit because Lindsay's still trying to recover from his wrist injury, which is taking longer than expected, and people are starting to get to why, starting to get wise to the reasons why I think that you should try to buy him right now. And that's that this whole new coaching staff that they have. Denver has a new coaching staff that I think, one, anytime there's a new coaching staff, they reevaluate every room, so they're going to reevaluate the running back room for them. But besides that, I really believe that with this new staff, the run game scheme is better uh, fit for Freeman than it is for Lindsey. 
and that I do believe that while Lindsey had an incredible year, and I'm so glad that I had him on one of my teams that I won a championship with, I still believe overall that he's too small and that they need to find ways to get Freeman more touches in this offense. And since he was a first-round pick, um, you know, in our rookie drafts, and this is only his second year, it is going to be harder to buy him. But for those that may have soured on him or those that fear that really believe that Lindsey is the number one back in the future for Denver, I don't believe that. I believe that Freeman has a chance this year to actually switch those roles and become the number one running back in Denver and Lindsey be more of the back that will spell Freeman instead of the other way around. So holding tight to that, I have that conviction. So you have to give a little bit more if you believe with me like that, that you'll have to give a little bit more for sure because Rice is only in his second year and people are going to hold on to him. But try to trade for him. Well, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. I hope these players and some guys that you guys can buy. As I say, always make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at DynastyFreaks.com. That's Freaks with two E's. Um, I'm much better on email, uh, that said, than I am on Twitter. And so if you, you want to email me, email me at DynastyFreaks.com or uh, I am found on Twitter at LonghornJustin. So I've been uh, building this website and the podcast for about a year now. Uh, I wanted to develop a year's worth of content before promoting the website or the podcast, so I've been developing this for about a year now. I did that for two reasons. The first reason was just to get better at practicing it, (laughs) so hopefully I've gotten better. But the second reason, and actually more important, was I wanted a year's worth of verifiable, contestable content on the site so you can see for yourself whether my dynasty takes are generally right or wrong. Of course, we're all going to be hit and miss on some because it is dynasty after all. But take a look. Go look back and see my contestable content that I have up on the site. See if you can test me and see that I'm not your most trustworthy, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. So now that I've had about a year of verifiable and contestable content on the website, I'm going to start promoting the website and the podcast, and I would just ask that you could help me. You really could help me by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. I'd really appreciate your support if you would do so. If you'll take time to do so, I will read your review and respond uh, to any of your email questions that you would send me. So send me an email, rate and review. I don't have one to read this week. I do promise to read them every week, but this week I don't have one. So why don't you go be the next person to leave a rate and review. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.